Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 21, um, World War II. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the One Player Podcast. This week, I'm going to try and talk about World War II. We're going to see how that goes. I, unfortunately, I don't have high hopes, but we'll see. Before that, let's jump into some quick news. This first item isn't exactly news, but it's uh, worth noting. So Tanga currently has a few games on sale that are, are for that support one player. The games include Duel in the Dark, uh, published by Z-Man. It's a game. It's a World War II game about bombing raids, I believe, into Germany with some minis. It's going for twelve ninety nine, sixty dollars retail. Another one is the a three pack of Hero Immortal Keen, which are some sort of dungeon crawling card based game. You get all three games for ten dollars. They also have Prolix for eight dollars seven ninety nine, which I be it's a word game and I believe that also does support solitaire play. And Cities, published by Z Man Games, it is a tile laying game in which you're you draw the tiles one at a time and play them on the board and hoping to get a, a high score you can. That's a game for one I think one of four players and all players are placing the same tiles, so the idea is to see who places them in the best configuration. And everybody's playing the same tile at the same time, just no matter what the person chooses to play it. So there we go. There's quite a few games you could get. Next up, Valley Games announced the other day that D-Day Dice is now in the U.S. Should be at the warehouse by now. Should have been at the warehouse, I think they said, on the 27th. Maybe it was even before that. So it'll probably be, if you order, you'll probably be getting your copy, uh, I guess, in the next few weeks if you live in the U.S. Don't actually know that. I'm just guessing there. Two items for Victory Point Games. First is they announced Live A and Mass. The State of Siege game is now available on iPad. Hopefully that'll be available on Android soon. And also Victory Point Games released AD30, the Tom Decker game that we talked about briefly last week. I went ahead and ordered a copy. I have it here. I'm going to go ahead and go through the components and tell you what it's like to give you an idea. It's really neat. looks great. And finally, not exactly news, but I thought it'd be worth mentioning. I played, uh, I played Yggdrasil. Not sure exactly how it's pronounced. I think I'm pretty close. By Z-Man. It's a game for one or more players. It's a cooperative game. In which you're trying to stop, uh, I think you're trying to stop Ragnarok from happening. And you're playing the, uh, Norse gods, Odin and Thor and those folks. It, it was really interesting because the game is actually a lot like a State of Siege game. Um, in it, there's a track that I think is about seven spaces long. In each turn, you're going to draw a card and it's going to tell you which of the uh, monsters or villains you're going to move forward that turn. And it'll move forward one space. And the game keeps going until one of the monsters reaches the last space. Now, unlike a State of Siege game, there aren't five separate tracks. It's all one track, but it's effectively the same thing. A difference is that you could also lose if something like three monsters reach the fifth space or... Five monsters reach a fifth space or the the third space. I'm like, and then besides that, there's a whole lots of other things you could do. It's a really neat game. I really enjoyed it. As I said, it's a lot like a States of Siege game by Victory Points. Okay, so that's it for my news. Let me go ahead and open up the uh, AD30 game and tell you about it. Okay, so the uh, package I received in the mail is a little envelope, big enough to hold about uh, an eight and a half by a l five and a half uh, sheet of paper. Basically, eight and a half by eleven paper folded in half. Inside the padded envelope is a plastic bag. 
with the game. The first thing you notice is the cover art. It's it's much nicer looking than the the traditional Victory Point games. This has actual art, I'm guessing right from the Renaissance period, on the cover, and the the design of the cover is also slightly different. So you open the Ziploc bag. As you pull out the the contents, and the first thing you pull out is the rule book. The second thing you notice is how glossy the cover is. It actually feels nice and slick. All the old stuff tended not to have that slick feel, and it's just sort of printed on regular paper. The rule book is eight and a half by five and a half. It's it's a stapled book. All the old previous books were um, an eight and a half by eleven or larger paper, folded in like a booklet, but definitely not stapled. The cover is cardstock and the inside is all color. Another thing you notice is the smell. It, it's got that slightly burnt smell from cutting the laser counters. It sort of smells like a 4th of July fireworks. So if you're not sure what I'm talking about and you're in the U.S., just wait a few days and go outdoors and you'll see. Okay, so there's that. Then there is a little flyer that talks about the other Victory Point games, uh, family games, Euro games. Just a little advertisement. Then there's another flyer. Surprisingly, this one's for DVG games, Dan Versing games. Makers of Thunderbolt Apache Leader. It's a color flyer and also the uh, Field Commander series. Let's keep going. What else is in the bag? It's a little tiny Ziploc bag with one 2mm die in it. The bag is big enough to hold all the counters after you've punched them. There are a bunch of uh, cards in shrink wrap. These cards are 3.5 by 2.5 size, like say magic cards. Rounded corners, glossy, slick paper, very nice quality. Very nicely designed cards. These are much better than the older cards. The older cards tend to be on regular card stock without any of that glossy finish. So as you play with them, they always kind of get stuck together and it's hard to shuffle them and that sort of thing. And these are just much nicer. Can't wait. I haven't played the game yet. I can't wait to try it. Next up, the oh, I pulled the back cover of the uh, package out. It's just a, it's a description of the game, number of players, playing time is 30 to 45 minutes. That's some nice art. And on the inside, and the flip side of that, which would I guess be the inside of the package, it's a, a thank you letter for buying the game. Some information saying come by our offices and play games and try it out and see what it's like. Maybe even help work here a little or something. That's kind of neat. Next we have a board. Which is... Let's see. 8.5 by 16.5. Color cardstock. Glossy. With nice art on it. It's got, a, again, more Renaissance art. It's got colored. The back of the board is sort of a parchment-y look. It all looks really nice. It's got charts on there. So everything you need to play is, looks like it's on here when, once you've gotten used to the rules. There's a uh, a track with a start space at the River Jordan and the desert. Galilee, Bethany, Gethsemane, and Jerusalem. And then there's a leader track on the right, and a space for recruited apostles, and a space for miracles, and temptation piety track, and Judas track, and 
action track. Lots of stuff on that board. And finally, the last thing in the package, finally the last thing in the package, are the counters. They're really nice looking counters. Color, thick cardstock. The um, first thing you notice is the counter sheet itself has rounded corners, which you don't usually see with any game, Euro games or anything. All the counters, there's a, let's see, there's probably about 30 or 40 counters. About half of them are round counters. And the other half are square counters with rounded corners already. So if you're a counter clipper, you actually won't even have to clip these counters. As you look at it, you'll notice that the edges where everything was cut looks a little darker. because it's burnt from being cut with a laser. Yeah, and definitely smells smoky. And these counters, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, maybe you've heard it somewhere else, they are definitely thick. And for for comparison, I pulled out Carcassonne, and these this counter sheet is noticeably thicker than a Carcassonne counter. I'd say it's half again, yeah, at least half. It's maybe twice as thick as a Carcassonne counter or a tile. So these are really, really thick counters. You know, they pop, they pop out pretty easily. You know, you could probably store them right back in the tray, in the counter sheet, without having to worry about them getting lost or being thick in that bag. So those are the components. Um, as I said, I haven't played yet. I look forward to trying the game. That is AD30. Okay, so let's jump into our first uh, section of the day, which is World War II games. So recently I've been listening to the History of World War II podcast by uh, Ray Harris Jr., I think they're about on epi he's about, about episode sixty right now. I think I've been I started through number one. I've been working my way forward, and I'm on thirty or forty now. I'm not sure which one. And I got to a point where they're where he's talking about the uh, he's talking about the Battle of Britain. I really enjoyed listening to that, and it made me want to pull out my copy of London's Burning and play that again, which is the game I'm talking about today, and which is why I thought it'd be fun to try and talk about World War Two. So I played the game. I had fun with it, and then I went and I said, I said, well, let me do some research and look at what other World War II games are out there. And It occurred to me I don't really know much about World War II games. I don't have many. Um, and I was honestly kind of surprised by that. There are quite a few. When you search BGG for World War II games that support one player, you actually get eight pages of games. Now, out of those eight pages, I don't know. There's a lot of games that are not necessarily war games. For example, I was very surprised to find the game Chrononauts on there. That game is published by Looney Labs, and though it does have a few cards about World War II, I would not at all call that game a World War II game. It's actually a time travel game, So you, and it's a very light game. So you, you have stuff like that. Then you've got games like, say, London's Burning that's much heavier. There's also includes a lot of games that are really two-player games, two-player war games, and they could be played by one player playing both sides, and apparently they work well because there isn't much hidden information and that sort of thing. So as you look at that list, you start realizing you actually have to be a little careful at what you're looking at. Because they aren't all really solitaire games. But there definitely are quite a few and there, there's all kinds. You know, I thought I'd maybe try and talk about the different kinds and that sort of thing. But there's so many and I don't know that many. 
You know, there's games uh, about the Air Force, such as London's Burning or B-17 Bomber. Duel in the Dark, which I mentioned earlier on Tanga, is another one. I think um, Wings of War, the World War II version, also supports solitaire play. So there's quite a, there's quite a few air f- games about the Air Forces. There's uh, also naval games. Though offhand, I can't think of any. I do know there are a few of those. And then there's also games about the land war, such as Ambush. And, uh, well, here's one. Raid, Raid on St. Nazaire is technically a, a land-based game because you're fighting on land, but it's about a, a ship, so it's sort of naval, kind of. So, as I've said, there's a lot of games. There's bigger, more complex games like London's Burning. Well, that one's not terribly complex, but it is bigger. Say Ambush or Raid on St. Nazaire or Silent War, which is a World War II submarine simulation that I have not seen, but looks interesting. It's incredibly complex, apparently, or at least incredibly involved to play, which you, you know you could play for hundreds of hours or so and do a whole campaign that way. And then you got smaller, lighter games. There's at least a couple of victory point games, I think, on World War II, including We Must Tell the Emperor and Malta Besieged. So as I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of games. If you're looking to play a World War II game, a solitaire World War II game, honestly, I would suggest you just go ahead and go to BGG and search for games that support one and start looking through the list. And you know, before you, maybe before you start, you want to figure out what aspect of World War II are you interested in? Are you interested in the air war or maybe land war or navies? Are you interested in going at a troop level where you're actually controlling soldiers such as in an ambush? Are you looking at a more strategic high level game? Uh, also, you know, how complex a game are you looking for? You want something simple and fast or something long and more deep? So yeah, th- there's definitely a lot of choices and you know, it's probably you'll probably have fun just uh, trying to go through it and figure out what you want to get. I've currently got, I think, three World War II solo-friendly games, maybe four. I've had a few more, and I think I had B-17 Bomber, and that was pretty neat. It was a though though I admit it was a neat game. Though I admit that when I went back to play it, every time I'd kind of look at the box and say, "Eh, I don't want to play it." I'm not sure why, because I had fun with it, and the story was that you get out of the game was pretty neat. I think I played about 30 games of it in just in one big binge and then never played it again, unfortunately. And I did eventually just trade it away for who knows what. I've got Ambush. I have yet to play it. I keep wanting to try, but it says it's like six hours, and, you know, with the cats and dogs and kids, it's just not something I want to set up and leave on a table, and it's not like I usually have six hours straight to try something out. Something like that out. There's also a raid on Saint Nazaire, which I haven't tried pretty much for the same reason. You know, those state of siege games are more likely to play. So yeah, I'm not sure what else I could say about World War II games. I wish there were more. I wish you could uh, go into more of them in detail, or maybe look at the war. You know, it'd be kind of neat to look at the war over the the years of the war, and maybe talk about games that covered different theaters of the war, or different important periods. Unfortunately, I do not know enough about World War II or those solitaire games to to do that a decent job of that. If you are interested in World War II, I'd suggest uh, checking out the History of World War II podcast by Ray Harris Jr. I've definitely enjoyed it. He goes 
it starts at pretty high level, talking about general issues going on and it, histories on Hitler and Mao Zedong and that sort of thing. And then when he starts getting to different battles, he he could go very detailed where he's actually in some parts of a. Uh, the Battle of Britain podcasts that I've been listening to, those episodes, he's actually been going day by day in some cases and talking about individual battles and pilots and stuff like that. So he sort of tends to zoom in and out depending on uh, the specific subject going on at the time and I guess how much information he has. I think there's an episode that could, or I'm sorry, I think this is a podcast that could go on for quite a few years at the way it's going now. All right, so with that short rambling discussion on World War II, Let's go ahead and jump forward into today's game. Okay, so as I said, London's Burning is a game of, well, as the caption said, the subtitle says, Aerial Combat Over Britain. It was published by Avalon Hill in 1995. It was designed by Ben Knight. If you're not familiar with the Battle of Britain, in World War II, shortly after France fell to Germany, Hitler decided to try and attack Britain. Okay, so from what I understand, there's talk about trying to first attack with a, using the Navy and landing troops, and then they decided to use the Air Force to first attack and weaken and scare Britain. The Battle of Britain is the uh, that air war and all those bombing raids done by Germany from France across the English Channel into Britain, where they would bomb Lon- London and southern, the southwestern regions of England, and then head back to France to refuel. The planes at that time just had enough fuel to to make it that short distance. So in this game, you're playing the uh, British Air Force. So you'll control two British pilots that will be defending against the German raids. This is a big game. It's you know it's also listed as 360 minutes or six hours. I'm saying it's much shorter than the other games. It has a shorter campaign. The full game, if you play, goes from, let me see, August 13th through September 15th, a month with about a week, a week and a half of uh, days with weather bad enough that you don't play them. So you actually play probably about 20 days or so. There's a shorter game, which is only one week, a standard length game, which is four weeks, including that bad weather, and then the longer game, which is, I think, five weeks. The game, it's a hex encounter game. It brings two boards. One board is a hex map of the lower part of Britain, which includes uh, up to London, and the uh, estuary of the Thames River. And then there's another map which in which you do all the actual fighting. It's simulated, anyway. And it also has your pilots and airplanes, and you keep track of your altitude and that sort of thing on that map. But the the first map is mainly the map in which you move your planes around and see where the raid is headed to and keep track of where the damage, the bombing damage is at. And it also has the map, or not the map, I'm sorry, the calendar to keep track of the game turns. I am not going to go into detail of all the components, but let me say you have counters for general keeping track of like I said, altitude and ammo and that sort of thing, the turn markers. Then you've got, the, those are smaller counters. And then you got large counters for all the actual airplanes. And there's probably like about 30 German airplane counters. 
and one raid counter which will move on the map and four British airplane counters and there's also a bunch of counters for British pilots I think something like six or eight of them the way the game works is that each day is divided into four turns you're gonna draw a counter from a, a cup and if it says there's a raid then there's a bombing raid happening if not that that phase of that turn of that day nothing happens and you go on to the next phase so potentially you could go a whole day without any raids and you know in theory you could play a whole game and not get any raids so that's highly unlikely there's something like about 16 counters in that cup and I think I haven't checked on it but I'm guessing about a third say no raid and then there's a remix counter if you draw the remix counter it means there's no raid and you put all the counters back in the cup and start over so there's no guarantee that every counter will get drawn so as I said if there is a raid you're gonna place the raid marker the German marker on the map at the bottom and then each turn he's gonna move three spaces heading upwards until he comes across a, a hex that has a target which could be an airfield uh, an antenna tower London even a couple ships out there that are targets if they reach a target any bombers involved in this raid will go ahead and bomb and then they head back south to return to France while the raid marker is moving around the map heading towards its target I should say the way it moves it's programmed you roll six out of die and depending on what you get it'll tell you which direction heading north to move or heading up I'm not sure it's actually north but it'll, it'll so, you, so you keep moving that way and every time you just roll the die and see where that where that raid marker moves to while that's going on you have your pilots your two planes which are they started to turn on the airfield you can decide to start them in the air but in that case the pilots automatically gain a fatigue each day each day they can heal up to two fatigue and there's four phases so you don't want to start in the air every phase but you could plan to do it up to two times generally and not worry about it every time they do go in the air they're gonna get a fatigue so so hopefully you don't have too many raids in a given turn anyway as that raid marker is moving towards the uh, towards the random target you wanna have your pilots take off and try and intercept the raid and fight with it once you do that the action moves over to the other board which has a section that has about six rows broken up into five thousand feet sections so there's you know there's a section for five thousand and ten fifteen twenty twenty five I think up to thirty and those are the altitudes that the plane are at once you've done the interception you'll flip over the enemy counters to find out what kind of planes are at first you don't really know until you've actually intercepted them and seen them they start the, they start their attack at a certain altitude but that could be adjusted up or down based on a random die roll and hopefully you've come in a position that is good relative to them generally you want to come in just above them 5,000 feet above them heading from the sun which will give you some extra die bonuses to roll to, to attack on the first turn if not it ends up being a lot harder combat's pretty simple you roll a die and add it to your attack strength and you roll another die for the German and add it to that counter that air, that airplane's attack strength if the attacker has the highest total then they get to shoot if not then nothing happens and every plane gets a chance to shoot at least every fighter gets a chance to shoot bombers generally don't attack so if you do hit then you get to decide how much ammo you spend which you have a total of five and the amount of ammo you could actually use each attack depends on by how much you succeeded on that previous roll and you roll if you do hit 
depending again depending on how much ammo you have and how many guns you have, it's how many dice you get to roll. Each die that rolls below or adds that airplane's uh, to hit number is an automatic hit. You roll again, and that tells you which part of the airplane you did hit. It could be the wing. It could be the the engines, the pilot, the gunner if the plane has one, or the body. And I think the wings if I didn't say that one. Two hits to any section destroys the plane instantly. If something like the engine gets damaged, the airplane isn't destroyed, but it will try and retreat back to France. It may or may not make it. It might start losing altitude on the way back and crash into the ocean. So that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to hopefully attack the Germans from a good altitude and fight them and hopefully win the combat, removing those planes from the counter and from the counter pool, and then each subsequent raid has a fewer and fewer fighters and makes it easier to hit the bombers. Which I didn't mention before, but some of the planes are fighters and some are bombers. Fighters are there strictly to defend the bombers and fight you. And the bombers are strictly there to bomb their targets. So you, you'll do that for a couple phases, and then you get to the point at the end of the day, you hit the night phase, all your pilots get to heal some, you get to repair some damage, you have a couple points to spend each turn on the uh, you have a couple points to spend up to repair damage which you can use to repair the different that got bombed or if you lost a plane you can use it to to build a new plane and that that's the way the game works it goes like that over and over what I found the short game the short game which I played it feels incomplete you know I've I've not lost you lose the game if bom London is bombed and all four spaces have bomb counters on it have been bombed and have damage counters on it that hasn't happened because I think there just isn't enough time for that to happen to London in the short game unless you have really bad luck. But as I'm playing, it kind of it slowly feels like I'm getting in worse and worse trouble. My pilots are getting tired. I'm losing pilots. If I kept going, I, I would probably lose in the standard or the full game. It's it's definitely fun to move the airplanes around the board. I enjoyed it. You're moving your airplanes and trying to come in from position, and you're planning. You got to figure out what altitude you come in from. It's sort of a guess, and you hope you did a good job. And much like the war, there's it's based on luck a lot of the time. There's a few more details to the game which I've left out, but I think you kind of generally get a sense of the flow of the game. So, you know, each turn, draw to see if there's raid. If there is, move the raid on the map while it's heading to a random target. Try and intercept it, and then fight the planes. And hopefully, hopefully, there's a good mix of enemies where you can knock a few of them down. I don't think you can ever destroy all the planes in a raid. You, each combat has up to three rounds. Potentially you could, but just it's not very likely. Most of the time, even if you do hit a plane, you don't knock it out in one attack, in one round in one round of combat. I like the, the artwork in this game and the, the quality of the components and the art on the board and the box. I think it all looks really nice. It's definitely one of Avalon Hill's later games. Since it is from the old Avalon Hill company, it is out of print, definitely out of print. You can still find copies on eBay or BoardGameGeek. I looked and there's, I think, something like 30 copies for trade on BoardGameGeek. I think if you check eBay, they go for around 30 to $40 maybe for a copy. I stand corrected. A copy on eBay goes for anything from about 30 to 55 or so dollars for an in-shrink copy. 
So there we go. It's a decent game. I enjoy it. It's not terribly deep, but it's fun. It's fun to move the airplanes around and just fly all over London and that sort of thing. It's a bigger game, and it's going to last six hours if you try and play a full campaign and get a, a whole or a feeling for what that battle really went like. You could play the short game and get some of that sense of it, but you're never going to feel like you finished it. And the short game probably finishes, let me see, I played it last week, I think I spent three hours on that, but honestly I hadn't read the rules in a while, so it took me a while to catch up and get to that rhythm again. It could probably have been done in about an hour and a half, I think. So yeah, I think if you know what you're doing, you could definitely finish in under six hours for the standard game. Anyway, so there we go. That's London's Burning. That's a little bit about World War II. I'd hope you find this episode interesting, if a bit uninforming. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you would like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in a Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.